0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another FUDs on Film podcast. My name is Scott Morris and I'm joined today by Drew Tavendale. Alright. And Craig Eastman. Oh, left.
1: <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh,
0: so today, for no particularly good... Great reason we're going to talk about some films By uh, Vincenzo Natalie uh, Cuban Cyber which really came about Because there a bit of a confluence uh, After watching Strange Days for our last podcast that went on a little bit of a search for Oddball science fiction stuff and Natalie's name Popped up as it is wanted to do And he's also just released his first film In six years on Netflix And really it's a name that I Hadn't really thought about in quite some time hmm. So thought it would be an apropos Time to go back and revisit Two of his I think best films. So that is what we're going to do today. Uh, we'll just dive straight in onto a cube if you've no opening statements you'd like to make. No. I like cubes. <laughs> cubes are best. <laughs> <laughs> mainly OXO cubes.
1: <laughs> no, mainly those cubes from Terrorhawks. They scared me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, we will take a look first at Cube In which uh, some strangers awake in a strange place As six souls find themselves trapped in an incomprehensible maze And struggle to, well, comprehend it Taken from their normal lives by unseen forces, seemingly at random, they are placed inside a malevolent Rubik's Cube of deadly traps. Morristine Wintz, Quentin McNeil, a police officer, takes the lead in driving the gang forward on the basis that that's got to be better than sitting still. Aided by Wayne Robson as Wren's, also known as the Wren, a serial jailbreaker. Nikki Guadagni's Dr Helen Holloway provides both medical attention and a running commentary from the admittedly now somewhat justified conspiracy nut perspective. And while no one's quite sure initially what despondent cynic David David Worth's function would be. Turns out he's unwillingly a small cog in the design of the wheels of whatever this structure is on the possibly working out Some method in the apparent madness Is Nicole de Boer's Joan Levin A young math prodigy And after a fashion Andrew Miller's Kazan A severely autistic man With the capacity to factor Prime numbers with amazing speed Which will help them decrypt The few clues to navigating And surviving the Cube That seems eager to kill them all Via slicing, dicing, acid attacks And various other surreal Borderline physically impossible Health and safety <laughs> violations <laughs> For a low budget debut Cube is still a quite remarkable Piece of business And not just commercial while it's not without a clutch of flaws the central mystery of what on earth this structure is and why it's been built and why they find themselves in it is a really strong hook to pull you through the 90 minutes alongside the constant threat of a grisly end. Indeed it's a masterstroke that ultimately gives no answer at all to any of these questions a pitfall that the sequel was blundered straight into. <laughs> it looks much better than its budget would perhaps imply, the highly stylized nature helping greatly and while the dialogue and performances aren't particularly memorable it falls squarely into good enough territory for me at least and it's only main failing is, apparently, not having a way to end things, with some changes to Morris Dean Wint's character coming out of nowhere and making matters even worse by making him do a cut-rate Jason Voorhees tribute act in the final stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Fitting, I suppose, for sci-fi horror, but I was more on board with science fiction than the horror, so the final reel is perhaps more of an ending than a conclusion. Uh, yet, it, it is still a bold and distinctive debut directorial turn from Natalie, and well worth excavating these 20-odd years later.
1: Yes, I hadn't seen Cube in the 80s, and I found it solidly entertaining this time. Um, There are so many problems with it for me that I I can't call it a great film, but for a 90-minute, high-concept, low-budget science fiction film, it Mm. does a really good job. I mean, the big problem I have, though, is that I don't care about anyone in it. Apart from the that some of them are quite happy to see die, but there there are no (laughs) likeable characters. That's a bit of a problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's almost no characters. No one really gets fleshed out enough for it to be. Yeah. Or or for what happens to various ones at the end to make any sense as well. It's a bit bit weak in that regard, yeah.
1: I suppose the only character that I have any sympathy for is. Um, Kazan, but he's not really a character. Yeah. Um, he, he's neither good nor bad. He's just this mm. kind of unfortunate soul put in there. Whereas everybody else, um, I mean, I get Holloway's more irritating than bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, but even Nicole de Boer's character, you know, the twenty-seven-year-old high school student, there's obviously <laughs> uh, even for her. For some reason, she's just like she starts getting slightly arrogant at one point, and then yeah, like, she's in this. She's working at the dimensions of the cube. It's like 14 foot by 14 foot by 14 foot a cube. And she had to walk directly in the line towards because and get annoyed that he was sitting there. You could have walked either side of him. So you just like, <laughs> yeah. no, you've any vague sympathy I had for this character, that's gone. Um, yeah. But then the, the big problem is that you start off with Morris Dean Winter's character Quentin. And he's, he's just a, well, a pretty unpleasant person from the start. But I don't yeah. understand why anybody follows him.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Why they're doing what he tells them? So it's like there's no real characterization there. There's no not even any real shorthand use. It's like we're doing this. Oh well, the man said it a wee bit loudly. We should
2: probably follow him. <laughs> mm. He says he's a policeman. Let's do what he says. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and because of course he must be telling the truth. Why would he lie? Uh, but
2: you can you can imagine. I mean, no, knowing people now as we know them. <laughs> And <laughs> in, in, in the current time you can understand that actually in that sort of situation maybe people would be compelled just to follow the first person that put their hand up and said I'm an authority figure maybe yeah, yeah, if he says it loudly enough I um, think depressingly perhaps that's one of the more realistic aspects of the movie <laughs> uh,
1: not likeable but possibly realistic you know? yeah um, and see so yeah, some of the dialogue is well it's rotten quite frankly yeah but what drags me along, and I kind of guess it's really the point, and it's why the kind of horror-stroke slasher stuff at the end, Scott, just it, it sort of goes away from the key um, appeal of the film. Yeah. It's like this, this it's the MacGuffin of the Cube itself. It's like, why are they in here?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, and you shouldn't try and answer that because that's what's interesting. It's like this, yeah. how could this have be been built? And like, you get the idea of um, Hewlett's character of, is it Hewlett, Hewlett, Hewlett?
2: Hewlett. Yeah, David himself, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, then he's like was part of a machine that put this together. I mean, it was kind of a corporate machine rather than an actual machine. Uh, and but like his like explanation for it may actually make some sense, I don't, mm-hmm. and that's a scary thing in itself. But. Yeah but beyond that it's like yeah this is a mysterious thing they don't know there's no way for them to know because they're not they're in the inside they can't see the big pictures they keep saying in the film but so you've got this mystery that you don't want solved. it's like okay but yeah Yeah. they just have to try and get out and that's the interesting part and that drives them and then they start having the extra character bits of that guy just going mad for, for no good reason yeah You know, it's um, because yeah, it's becoming a violent sociopath and just beating people up and like and hating that guy from the beginning for no good reason. You find it later, there might be a reason to resent him, but in the beginning, no, not so much. So, uh, (laughs) uh, so that's where I find that disappointment. Any time it deviates from just like them being completely puzzled by us, but then having to use some sort of resource to get out of it, and it deviates from that, my interest level drops quite a lot. But that central thread, which still stays there throughout, is really appealing and really compelling. And uh-huh. then you add to that the fact that it really was a low budget; they, they only had enough money to build one cube, mm-hmm. plus like the back wall of another one when it, when they're looking through one of the windows. Mm. Um, and they had so little money; they wanted to have six different colours to have like to match up with the whole cube thing. Um, didn't even have enough money for a sixth gel filter pack. <laughs>
2: That's how low budget they're working on, yeah.
1: and for that, it looks pretty damn good.
2: Yeah, it's all right visually. The worst thing about Cube is like the early DVD uh transfers of it, which suffered terribly from like colour smearing and stuff. But I think the sort of the the Blu-ray releasing things dealt a bit better with that. But it is quite surprising how how good it still looks in a sense. when it, what was it like? Of IMDB, courtesy check of IMDB trivia, it was like it was like, 300, like 360,000 Canadian dollars or something, whatever that translates to at the time. i take taken into account like that the effects work was done for free, essentially, the digital effects work was done for free by some company that wanted to just show their appreciation for the Canadian film industry apparently, so it's a little bit disingenuous to say yeah. that anyone could go and make this movie for that money, but it's still uh, like, I mean that is still essentially that's almost micro-budget. I don't know where you would draw the line at that nowadays, but it's. I think the the, the best thing about Cube is how well it stands testament to that whole thing of you know working with such tight restrictions, how inventive can you be? Yeah. Um, and like mm-hmm. you say, Drew, the whole thing around the set design and the set build, um, it's fascinating to think, and like they shot it in 30 days or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, tiny budget, had to be really inventive uh, like essentially guerrilla filmmaking but you know if a kitchen sink drama yes you could do that on an iPhone now but this is a this is a sci-fi movie um and it needs things like sets and set design and whatnot so to to add that element in as well and to bring it in on that kind of a budget is is absolutely insane yeah, with, a, with a
0: higher and more convoluted concept than but yeah. films that have cost them like
2: 300 million to make these days so. yeah exactly <laughs> Do you know um it's the sort of thing that you know, you can imagine. You can imagine if you asked Christopher Nolan to remake this, <laughs> or if it had just been his idea.
1: Christopher no, Nolan, he'd have built the entire cube practically and have them falling through all of the traps for real.
2: Of course, yes, he would have had he, to have done he that. He would have actually built a full
0: scale one. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> several thousand meters. Uh, yes, yeah. and have it actually move around. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's dedicated.
2: That's it, but. I think, yeah, I mean, it's a very creaky round the edges. I think, like you pointed out, Drew, so some of the dialogue is absolutely risible. But for the most part, that it's it's de- it's delivered well enough. And most of the performances kind of hold together for the majority of the movie. It is only in that final act where things start to fall apart and there's some, like, sort of teeth-grindingly hammy um, <laughs> stuff going on, um, especially on the part of Morris Dean Wint. But David David Hewlett's a pretty reliable presence. and He's solid throughout, I would say. He's solid throughout, and he's pretty much solid in everything he's in. To be honest, I think isn't it? Isn't he? Weren't he and Natalie high school buddies or something like that, which is why he kind of, I think he kind of pops up in most of Vincenzo's stuff at some point or another. And he's always sort of valuing whatever he's in. I would suggest he's probably the strongest performance here. And you're right. The, the the worst thing to do with a movie like this is to watch it in the company of someone who you know is going to be frustrated at a lack of answers, because to expect answers is entirely. Missing the point of the movie yeah. I've never understood how You know, th- that um, There can be such a, a Polar separation between You know, surely the most satisfying thing Is not to be handed everything on a plate And to walk away and be left to think about it for yourself Um, I don't I don't I I mean we have to live alongside them But I don't understand (laughs) people who need everything Answered in their entertainment It's like, you know, songs that leave you in a cliffhanger, Songs that just end halfway through Or better still, songs that start halfway through It's that (laughs) sort of satisfaction But it still, it holds up remarkably well To be honest, given that it's now 20 plus years old. What was it, 1997, something yeah, so like 21, that? 21, yeah. Yeah. And like I say, still, I mean, a really superb calling card. And the, the fact that to go back and watch it again now, which again, probably seven or eight years since I last watched it, I should imagine, to go back and find it just as enjoyable now um, is, was, I, I'm not surprised not super surprised but it was it was kind of reassuring it's a bit of a comfort blanket of a film really it's yeah. um a bit like it's in that same ballpark as uh, Aronofsky's pie yeah, I think in a lot of ways, maybe not quite as sophisticated um, as that, but still in terms of you know an early work from a filmmaker who's gone on to do other stuff, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and demonstrating that really if you've got an idea to make a movie, you could. There's no reason for you not to go out and do something about it. I suppose, but yeah, really, really, really pleasantly. Yeah, a nice a nice rewatch.
1: Yeah, I, I did enjoy. it. The, the one thing that sort of. That's only just uh, occurred to me just now, but I very much noticed it this afternoon when I was watching the film. But here's just one tip though when you're trying to establish that one of your characters is a mathematical genius, don't begin the film by showing them struggle to work out whether the number ending in two is a prime or not.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That'll work. You know,
0: there's a rule for that, right? <laughs> I think like one thing that maybe annoys me a bit in the meta discussion about this is, although this film did very, very well commercially, um, mm-hmm. bought like 9 million or something from a return of well, 360 or whatever we think it's going to be, dollars, it did very well. Um, James Wan basically ripped this central premise off completely with Saw, in my opinion, and did so much better with it and milked the franchise for what? 10 films or however many Saw got up to And they're just much worse And less interesting films It's like the dummies version of this film Where everything gets answered in the end um, uh-huh. I've still uh,
1: never seen a soft film I'm quite happy for it to remain the case
0: That is the true path yeah. Yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, i talking of films that have effectively ripped us off, given that the original director wasn't involved. What are the sequels like? Which I have owned to it's given DVD, but I've never actually got myself uh, to
0: watch. The better of you is that they try and answer what the Cube is, mm-hmm. and don't do a very
2: good job of it. So <laughs> well, Cube 2 makes the mistake of thinking it's going to answer questions, uh, answer some questions, but going deeper and throwing more questions in Mm. and making it a a hypercube because (laughs) adding an extra dimension ought to clear things up nicely. (laughs) And then I don't think I've watched all of Cube Zero because I fell asleep trying to watch that, which tells you something (laughs) about it. I want to say Cube 2 and Cube Zero are both written and directed by the same guy though, right? Not uh, Natalie obviously, but I'm sure they were both. They were both written and directed by the same guy. Uh, why he was handed the reins or whatever, I I don't know. And why you would go so askew from the central premise and you know abandon the thing that made it so interesting in the first place, I don't know. But perhaps yeah, there's just money in explaining stuff to stupid people.
0: Yeah, um, I presume it's the standard uh, movie industry answer of well, that one made money. Let's try and make more money. Hmm. <laughs> ideas be damned. So yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. You spent a third of a mill on this, and it made nine mil So even so... if we spend a mill on the sequel, that only makes half as much. We're still in profit, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um well, I yes, of, art. I, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I kind of want to go back and watch Cube Zero again purely because I didn't get all the way. Through to the end of it And now having re-watched this I'm, kind of, I'm almost compelled to watch the two sequels again Just to refresh myself But I know that it'll be a yeah. fool's errand I, I swear I did watch Cube Zero But I could not tell you a single frame Of what happened
0: in it So that's no. how memorable it is yeah. As opposed to Cube Which I although I, I don't recall seeing in the last... 15 years, but I actually remembered fairly Vividly. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could have written Exactly the same review from memory Of that viewing 15 years ago As I did when I watched it
2: the other day So, Yeah, um, yeah it, it's certainly a much more memorable Film than any of its sequels 100%. I know for a fact you did watch Cube Zero Because it was after you watched it and I asked you Is it worth watching? And you told me Hell no
0: <laughs> <laughs> You immediately thought the opposite yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Scott's known to lie lying About these things
0: so.
1: yes. <laughs> Okay then Let's see, well we we'll jump on and see if Cypher holds up as well as Cube does
2: Why not?
0: Yes, so it took another five years for Natalie to direct another film, that being two thousand and two Cypher, set in that brief window where bleach bypassing was a thing. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy Northam's Morgan Sullivan lives a dreary life as an accountant, but rather than go off to work for his father-in-law's firm, he instead takes a post as a corporate spy for the shadowy Digicorp. He's tasked with attending uh, and surreptitiously recording the most banal of industry seminars, but we soon find out that things are not what they seem. Uh, Meeting Lucy Liu's Rita Foster at one event, she clues him into what's actually going on, giving him drugs to counteract the brainwashing that Digicorp's been further performing on him to reinforce his assumed identity as a spy to, presumably, better enable future nefariousness. He soon becomes a double agent for rival corporation Sunway Systems, promising a way out, but before long... Things aren't quite what they seem there either And who's this Sebastian Rooks fellow everyone keeps mentioning anyway um, This is not a film that's well suited to a blow by blow narrative in terms of recapping um, In particular because that narrative is about 98% of the film The character, by virtue of the slender identities that Northam is inhabiting for this film Is not the strongest suite And frankly it's to his credit that his twitchy, somewhat eerie performance can drive the film along uh, With some surer support from Lucy Liu Still, it's a stylish yarn and while I don't think this holds up all that well to repeat viewing at all I liked this an awful lot in first viewing and I'm sure you did, Craig, as well because I Mm read your view Um, and uh, I liked this rewatch well enough although, curiously, the effects work has aged much, much worse than in (laughs) Cypher Oh, yes (laughs) in Cypher than in Cube Uh, perhaps because there's so much more of it and it's all entirely superfluous Mm -hmm. and I believe this was seen as a bit of a Marmite film in its day uh, neatly splitting audiences into hating it and loved it camps and I don't think it did particularly well And has largely faded into obscurity at least I
2: don't think it even took a million dollars At the box office
0: Yeah, I think it more or less went away And uh, most people have forgotten about it Apart from the people who picked it up on DVD Because it was that gloriously shiny cover Yeah, <laughs> uh, Yes,
1: which is why it took me several um, hours To actually begin watching that Because I could not take the thing out of the box <laughs> so To get distracted by the t- slipcase <laughs> Shiny What do you uh, think of the direction, to Shiny Jimmy <laughs> norton's performance Shiny? Shiny? (laughs)
2: Can I I just point out then in reference to these things I wasn't wrong when I posted in the Slack channel last week That I don't think I ever watched Cypher again after the cinema release All I remember is Jeremy Northam acting as though he's on heroin (laughs) And some crap CG stairs or an elevator or something More or less, yes
1: Giant (laughs) metal field dildo Yes, I wasn't wrong Yes, Field dildo (laughs) Um, How uh, else would you describe that? (laughs)
2: Dildo to hell <laughs> I'm on a dildo to hell uh,
0: I would say it's a film that deserves better than being more or less forgotten um, I, I still quite enjoyed watching it again And it's certainly a bit more considered than a lot of science fiction these mm. days So uh, if you haven't seen it already I'd say it's well worth uh, excavating from the vault And giving it a once over doesn't hold up as well, I think Uh, on a second viewing as it does the first but uh, that first viewing I I really liked so yeah Mm. I I would say give it a go
1: Yes, I I like this having watched both of these films today I liked this more than I liked Cube Mm. however I have also not seen this having owned the DVD for a long time. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've not seen this since I think the three of us saw this in the cinema Mm
2: -hmm. Um, yeah sounds about right
1: and while I, I had some clear images I remembered the vault And it's unnecessary massive amount of digital storage. Yes. (laughs) And I remember a couple of images, and I remember Lucy Lou and Jeremy Northam being in it. I remembered absolutely nothing about the plot. So that Mm -hmm. kept me going quite a bit. um, Yeah. Even though, like, you know, halfway through, it's like, I don't remember any of this, but I know exactly where it's going because, well, <laughs> I've seen another film. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't think if I were to watch this any time within the next 20 years again and remembering anything, it's not going to hold up as well as Cube, because Cube yeah. would hold up to repeated viewing, although I prefer this in a sort of which is one, watch once um, kind of way.
2: Yeah,
0: no, I would agree with that, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I agree almost entirely with you Drew um, I actually, I remembered very little of this, I didn't revisit my review because I couldn't remember that I, <laughs> until you mentioned it Scott, <laughs> I don't remember writing a review for it on the old site God knows how that will read nowadays but yeah, I, I, again aside from a few um, scattered memories of it, I couldn't really remember what the plot was about at all and then of course within about half an hour it sort of all, all come back and then at a certain point a character's name mentioned and I'm like, oh right, of course, yes. That's that's correct because even even on the first viewing, if you can't guess the twist that's coming, yes, um, it's there's really a twist. I have a yeah. heard
1: of conservation of Cart and the film yes. has
2: four of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's a bit of there's a bit of purposeful misdirection and stuff which doesn't really work in and of itself either as you go through. But I don't remember it actually being quite as tightly paced as this. Um, and I really did quite enjoy watching this there's enough going on within the plot to propel it through that first sort of 80 minutes or so and, and while yeah. the wheels kind of come off at the end I feel like it kind of is trying to search for a satisfying conclusion that it doesn't quite reach um, I don't think the ending serves uh, services the rest of the movie as well as it should it's still a pretty entertaining 90 minutes and it's very slickly put together yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. Northam's one of those actors. I can't think what the hell else I've ever seen him in, although his name is familiar. He's um, in
1: Eye in the Sky, he's in I've not seen it. Spanley.
2: Um, I never saw that either. He's just. He doesn't seem to be in a lot of stuff. He's, he's, not a, he's not really a household name, I suppose, though, weirdly, kind of almost is. But watching this, I'm like, yeah, it's actually a reasonable uh, performance, and he, he, he makes a pretty good fist of the, the material at hand. And I mean, it's super plot dense. Um, that, like you say, Scott, the you know it is ninety eight percent of the movie is just plot. Yeah, a criticism I, 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 it seemed to be going around
0: a lot at the time was that it was too much plot and it was mm. too hard to follow. And I don't get really? that at all. It no. seems entirely obvious. This is this is all quite obvious. I don't I don't understand how certainly from a professional critic who's presumably seen a lot of films could mm. find this difficult to follow. It's like, mm. have you seen any film noir which is generally more convoluted than this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Weird statements.
2: Yeah, but, I, I yeah. just
1: find the, the <laughs> plot appealing. It, it really drives mm. it along, but it's not difficult to follow.
2: No. Um, I made the mistake of going out to the toilet without pausing it and coming back two <laughs> minutes later and going, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and then having to, having, to, having to review the previous two minutes to catch up, but it's not, it's not difficult to follow in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it is, it is quite satisfying in a, in a lot of respects. Quite curious, like you say, from an effects point of view, not just um, the, the bad CG helicopter and the, the bad CG uh, field dildo. <laughs> yeah, but um, the,
1: the backgrounds from some sort of—I was going to say nineties mega fractal program or something. There was,
2: yeah. Oh, that's you get around that. You get around that though because it's a brainwashing thing, isn't it? It's yeah. um, it's very hypocrite yeah. file at yeah, that exactly point. I was going to say, but I think what's more more noticeable in falls falls flat in its face now is some early sort of post-Phantom Menace use of digital sets, which yeah. doesn't work at all when they get into the vault. Um, it just looks really bad now. Although curiously. Not really any worse than they did in The Phantom Menace, <laughs> 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 which, given the disparity in budgets, is uh, and the fact there was only a gap of a couple of years between uh, that film and this. But well, I don't uh, get a bit about all those effects, is none
0: of them had any point being there. It's it's like someone just had given him much more budget than he actually wanted. Yeah. It's like, I need to spend this and, somehow, and, otherwise, and, I won't get it for my next film. So yeah, going to put in lots of completely extraneous digital effects, and you could tell exactly the same story on probably less of a budget. Than Cube was
2: Yeah It's like the highways Like the highways agency Trying to use up Its repairs budget Before yes. the end of the Financial <laughs> year So they don't get shorted The next time round And curiously The thing of it is That there are start, Quite start line images There are t- Two or three powerful, quite startling images in this film, and none of them really involve any special effects. There's the first time the sort of the conference audience are revealed wearing the headsets yeah. and stuff, and then the other time when he boards the plane and basically, you know, the, the whole cabin's illuminated yeah. in yellow and everybody's just sort of lying there unconscious in their oxygen masks. There are these really sort of stark, surreal images that pop up in it, and they're the ones that stick with you. And yeah. none of them involve any sort of CG work. It's all it's all basic, It's just practical and, and lighting. Yes. They're probably yeah. some of the cheapest shots of the bloody film (laughs) and it's just a shame there's perhaps I said I I felt I felt slightly disappointed there wasn't more of that yeah. because I think in that surreal imagery, especially with Northam's performance being quite so, it's a very sort of dreamlike performance in a lot of respects he seems very detached and yeah. quite hazy in his, his delivery as if he's, he's a man who's not entirely there or his mind is somewhere else which, most um, of the time, right. which yes. makes sense given the plot. Yes. It's, um, it's kind of a shame that that sort of the imagery that plays into that wasn't leaned more heavily on But, yeah, listen, it was still, I still, I don't think, again, despite owning it, I don't think I'd bothered to watch it since I'd seen it at the cinema. And I would have Music magpie the DVD years ago at this point. So, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much this time round, but I really kind of did. Yeah. Yeah, so, so
1: I don't think it's going to hold up to repeat viewing. No. Um... Because it, it is so plot heavy, and once you know yeah. the plot, you don't you lose the entry, you lose the hook. But mm. having entirely forgotten the plot, it really pulled me along. I think the only problem I really had with it, beside the, the issues we're talking about, Craig, with like mm. CGI and stuff, and some of it being unnecessary, is that. So you have saying, Scott, like for the first kind of eighty minutes, it's pretty solid, and the last ten minutes it kind of falls apart. Cause it,
2: it, I said that. Yeah,
1: it almost feels like a different film. Yeah, because. That helicopter at the end, and then the rooftop, and you see the little device in the rooftop. It, it feels like some kind of crappy Bond knockoff now.
2: Yeah, yeah. It feels like something like Charlie's Angels or something. Yeah, do you know what that I mean? Sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it, it felt like like that kind of half winking, knowing thing, and having that set up in advance. Yeah, really?
2: you could have skipped that. You could have had them just get away, and then cut to them on the the, the boat or whatever. Yeah, um, almost, and it wouldn't have felt like it was just. Trying to pay such kind of sh- And you could have yeah. saved yourself another 10 grand On your, yeah, your bad helicopter <laughs> effects as well
1: Just yeah. such a, a Like it dropped in from another film entirely it's yeah.
2: Yeah. It is a shame really that nobody did see it Though because it has got a lot going for it It's just yeah that ending is Kind of feels a bit parachuted in um, And I feel like it wouldn't have been too much of a stretch To do something more interesting with it But you know 90% of a good movie Fair yeah. enough
1: I'm just quite surprised that, though, given that it didn't do well in the US and you have people talked about it being, like, one of the best direct video titles this guy's seen all year. Like, it's still
2: got a cinema release here, because we all saw it in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I mm. that happen, but still nobody watched it, apparently. Like. I can't remember under what circumstance we saw it. must have just been a super-limited release, right? I would imagine so, but, um... I don't know, It's
1: distributed by Film4, so mm. I guess maybe that's why it was a wee bit different, but...
0: Yes, um... Natalie, after this... uh, Basically, what put him into my bozo bin was the (laughs) film he directed after this, a few years after Cypher, which was Splice, which was absolutely dire. And uh, since then, he's basically been doing uh, the very occasional more conventional horror, but actually more, it turns out, television. Of TV work, so he's work done yeah. A lot of work for American Gods and uh, various other television franchises, so he certainly kept his his hand in the game with some... Uh, oh, his wee-
2: profile's still up there really, isn't yeah. it? But yeah, yeah, he's definitely pivoted more towards telly. Uh,
0: and I, I think the one thing that runs through the films that I've seen, and I, I did really briefly flick through Haunted or Haunter, I think it is called, Ooh. earlier, which I downloaded, I've not actually seen the full lot, but it's, it, it certainly looks, just from occasionally, it looks really good. He, he has an incredible visual style, which I think he's uh, kept through throughout his career so um, I'm actually actually somewhat intrigued to go and watch Haunter, even though it's a, a more conventional horror, which mm. I will almost certainly hate, because yeah. that's the kind of guy I am, and also is a newer, uh, newer film on Netflix, but that's a Stephen King adaptation, so that's another avenue for me to hate it for, so yep. I, I may give those a skip, but I'm sure oh. they will
2: look really good while, me, while I sit there hating it. Haunter <laughs> Hunter stuck out for me as well, but I don't, I haven't gone so far as to obtain it, because I think it's one of those that I, just, I know it'll never get to the top of my watch list.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, my experience with Vincenzo Natale begins and ends with Cypher I've seen nothing else he's done at all so So apart from from (laughs) (laughs) Cube
2: which you spoke about at some length (laughs) 10 minutes ago (laughs) oh dear yeah Yeah, what's Um, the thing he's done recently on Netflix Oh, it's in the tall grass. I think it's. Called. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, that kind of stuck out on my recommended list of Netflix, and I had no idea that it was Vincenzo uh, Natalie until uh, mm-hmm. preparing for this podcast. And I sort of, oh yeah, I should probably look through his biography and see what he's been up to recently. Yes, possibly. I'll, I'll have a look at that and report back in the next intermission podcast. But uh,
0: we shall see. Okay. Yeah, so that'll wrap us up for today, so thanks very much for your attention. We'll be back in another 10 days with another chat about some random films, but until that time, I would like you to take care of yourself and each other. <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us through a variety of means. You can do so on Twitter at Fudson Film. you can do it so at Facebook at facebook.com slash Film, or through email at podcast at film.com But, yes, until that such time we'll say goodbye, and I'm sure that Drew and Craig will do too. Fare well. Take care.